0: I'm not going to lie to you, this episode is basically the reason I decided to review G.I. Joe in the first place. Between this and Transformers Autobop, this is everything I love about this completely batshit era of cartoons. So, as they say in every shitty movie and TV show where someone tortures someone else, shall we begin? After a particularly costly battle with G.I. Joe, Cobra finds itself broke, like literally bankrupt. Who knew buying 30 different snakehead castles across the globe and disrupting the world's airwaves every other week actually cost money? Oh, turns out the Crimson Twins knew that. What do you mean I broke? Joe Team's highly successful raid has wiped out your assets. Consequently, your creditors are demanding payment. On all outstanding debts. I will not tolerate this. I control the largest criminal organization in the world. That was true until today. When all of your men applied for unemployment benefits. I just, how can I even make jokes about this? This is amazing. So, bottom line, Cobra Commander has 48 hours to come up with $200 million. Surely there's some evil scheme in the pipeline that can make that happen. Alchemy machine to turn Destro's silver head to gold? Selling the dreadnoughts for medical experiments? Take the moon hostage? These all seem like relatively reasonable ideas compared to what he actually ends up doing, but I get ahead of myself. First, we follow the Joes as they raid a Cobra facility, which has apparently been put up for sale. I'd have put Tomax and Zaymod in red blazers for this walkthrough sequence, but I guess we can't have everything. Meanwhile, Cobra Commander and... I wanna say... Firefly? It's hard to tell because they're in subtle costumes. Anyway, they're down at the docks, conducting some no doubt reputable business, and they enter a place called Stinky's Billiard Emporium. In the back room thereof, there's this little dude who says things like this. Glad to see that you are punctuation. That's punctual. It's not the sharpest joke they've ever done, but it does create a situation where Cobra Commander has to be the straight man, which is pretty hilarious in itself to me. Turns out this guy is your actual mob loan shark type. Cobra Commander has literally borrowed $1 million from the mob at 400% interest. But that's nowhere close to what he owes Extensive Enterprises, you may be saying. How the hell is he going to turn $1 million into $200 million? Just, Just give it a second. I'm getting to that. There's a brief scuffle during which the mobster tries to unmask Cobra Commander, and that goes about as well as you might expect. Honestly, if he just charged five dollars a pop for Looky Loose, he could have that cash back after forty million customers. But that's not the plan. The plan is way better than that. Trust me. Here is the plan. Baroness, explain Operation Cold Slither to our friend. Destro has designed the program that creates rock and roll music and inserts subliminal messages which will lull people into a trance and make them totally subject to our will. That's right, friends. Zartan and the Dreadnoughts are now rock stars. We're you'll be joining us soon. Destro drops his subliminal messages into the thing, and nobody even mentions the ones right in the lyrics. I guess you'd call them liminal messages? Anyway, the actual lyrics hardly make it a secret that this is a Cobra recruitment anthem, so I'm not even sure what the point of the hidden messages is. Somehow the song just becomes a hit. Top 20 with a bullet, says Cobra Commander in just three days. I guess it's just that easy. The Crimson Twins are so impressed that they offer to cancel Cobra's debt in exchange for a share of the profits. Again, the subliminal part of this plot hasn't even kicked in yet. All they've really done is make a sound investment in a hit-pop song, which is completely legal and also, if you handle it right, incredibly lucrative. But that's not how the Commander rolls. We all know this. We're gonna need at least three more layers of complicated bullshit on top of this. Meanwhile, in the absence of a ruthless terrorist organization to fight, G.I. Joe is enjoying some downtime. There are some slapstick hijinks, which frankly seem like overkill in an episode about an evil rock song. And while said song plays, Shipwreck expresses his colossal boredom. Ah, Ever since Cobra disbanded, we haven't had anything to do except keep the dust off the tanks. Hell, we can barely even remember our lines anymore. Cheer up, sailor! You and your fellow Joes are about to become part of Cobra's hypno-army. The parrot too, I guess? And they just kept saying, Cold Slither! Cold Slither! Cold Slither! Sounds like Cobra stuff to me. (laughs) No, Duke. Cold Slither is a rock band. Yeah, Duke, don't be ridiculous. Just because they literally say the words Cobra is strong and we shall rule, and that band looks exactly like Zartan and the Dreadnoughts wearing bad wigs, doesn't mean that has anything to do with Cobra. Do you realize how ridiculous you sound right now? Meanwhile, at the Cold Slither concert, the hypnotized Joes and the rest of the crowd rock out to the band's only apparent song. Maybe they mix things up with some covers, too? I'd pay good money to hear their versions of the hits of the day. I mean, they wouldn't even have to change any of the words to Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And imagine the hilarity if they brought Cobra Commander on stage for a duet of Sue's Sudio. Also, I have no idea who Sergeant Pot Smoke 420 here is, but he's really living up to those leaves in his helmet in this one. Duke sends some MPs to arrest the AWOL Joes, but they fall under the thrall of Cold Slither. Then the bad guys switch the mind control machine over to manual, and the Baroness starts issuing explicit instructions. And look, I've said this many times before, but I'd pretty much do anything that woman commanded me to do. Hypno Ray or no, just saying Cobra Commander takes to the airwaves to brag about how he's mind controlled everyone, which seems a bit premature. Maybe make them do something evil before you take credit for it. This sort of short sightedness is kind of how you ended up going bankrupt in the first place, man. But no, the best he can come up with here is I have your children, unnamed city in which generic sports arena exists, and I won't release my hold over them unless you pay me one hundred billion dollars. Also, he never actually paid the dreadnoughts because, like I've already kind of implied here, he's not the sharpest fang in the snake's mouth. Next, the remaining unhypnotized Joes infiltrate the stadium by sending Lady J Scarlet and Covergirl in disguised as groupies. And you know, this show so rarely uses its female characters like this that it's actually pretty funny, especially since the scene ends with Lady J threatening the dreadnoughts with a flamethrower. But how did they manage to avoid the influence of the mind control music? Why, earplugs, naturally. Which, in fairness, is something that Cobra Commander could never have anticipated anyone doing. The Joe ladies save the day and actually use the subliminal messages to fuck with the crowd a little before turning it off, which seems just a tad unethical. Then the Joes throw together a band in about eight seconds and play a completely original unrehearsed song just off the cuff somehow. Hey, you can't possibly expect things to start making sense now, can you? Fun fact, I actually interviewed the writer of this episode, Michael Charles Hill, some years ago. We discussed this episode as well as his other contributions to Transformers, Gem, and G.I. Joe. Turns out he was the guy who wrote those Knowing is Half the Battle PSAs. That interview was episode 22 of my More Bits podcast, which you can find on iTunes and at more-bits.com.